Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning into my podcast, Keeping It Real with Caramel. As we say 100, I have Mark on the line. How are you, love? I'm doing awesome. How about you? I'm doing great. I'm enjoying this Florida weather over here, okay? <laughs> Let's not rub it in, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Is it, It's snowing over there right now, right? Uh, we, we have a bit of snow. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm on the north of you uh just north of new york state so uh, we didn't quite as much snow as um as eastern <laughs> more eastern places did but yeah enough it's it's i'm sure it's colder than it is where you are yeah i mean it's it's, it's nice here you know the weather is good you know sun's still shining i'm in i'm in you know florida orlando florida so i mean you can't get no better than that no 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 that's true <laughs> so tell the listeners a little bit about you I, uh, I'm a writer and editor and uh, apparently now a publisher. I have been writing since I was a kid. Uh, I, I used to tell stories with little Fisher-Price figurines and then I discovered the magic of putting words on paper. Uh, I had my first story sold in, uh, uh, I, was, I guess, 1992, which was the year I started working in the book industry as a bookseller. and. Uh, my very first book came out in 2004 and I, I've got about, uh, I think I kind of lost count to somewhere between 25 <laughs> and 30 books out now. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So I've been, I did writing and books have been, have been my entire life. I mean, if I can surround myself with, you know, uh, good people, uh, books and beer, I'm a happy camper. <laughs> I know, right? You can't beat that. So I know you're owner of a published a published company. So can you tell the listeners like what they should do if they want to publish a book? Yeah. So it, it's interesting. So uh, I created Stark Publishing, and that can be found at StarkPublishing.ca. But I, I created it as an imprint uh, originally for self publishing, and uh, and I did that to hide the fact that I was self publishing my very first collection of short stories. Uh, one Hand Screaming in 2004, and I've since released uh, traditionally published books with publishers as well as uh, mostly my own, but this year I kind of accidentally found myself uh, becoming a publisher of other people's works, and, and, I, and I'm not looking for submissions, so sad to say if there's writers out there looking, I'm not actually accepting submissions, but I, um, I did publish an anthology called Obsessions, which is, um, has 16 different contributors, mostly from the US, one Canadian. Uh, and I am I'm in Canada, which is why it's Stark uh, StarkPublishing.ca. I couldn't get the .com. And uh, and then I and I just released a book of a friend of mine uh, who's uh, actually ha- struggling with homelessness uh, in in London, England. And um, and because I know so much about writing and publishing, and, and a lot of what I do for my day job is helping writers understand how they can navigate publishing, whether it's working with a publisher or whether they want to self-published their work so I I right. told him I would take care of it for him so uh, Peter C. Mitchell's his name and I published his book um, Rude Awakenings from Sleeping Rough and and of course that happened and now I'm looking at okay so what are the next <laughs> what are those next projects? right right. Yeah. right I was reading your bio that you did do that for Peter right yeah so tell us a little bit about the book you know the novel yeah. that he yeah. So yeah. So Peter, uh, he went to London. He he was born in England. He he grew up in Canada. So he's technically not even a Canadian citizen, but he spent most of his life here. He was going to London to do research and lived there for a while to do research on on a uh, an ancestor, great great grandfather, Sir John Kirk, who 
um, was very instrumental in helping to create systems to help people in poverty and impoverished and disabled people. And he, Peter was doing research because he wanted to write a book about uh, about this ancestor because he was fascinated by it. As he was learning more about his ancestor, because usually when you're doing research, you, you uncover things that aren't necessarily what you thought they would be. He right. fell into some hard times. Um, he ended up getting stuck uh, and not being able to return to Canada. He ended up um, penniless. He ended up, um, you know, maxing out his credit cards and completely being destitute and living on the streets. And he was writing about his experiences and he was like, he posted, there was an article that was published on the Huffington Post and he was sharing them on social media. And, and I remember talking to him because uh, he doesn't want charity. He wants to work right. for what he, he earns. And, and he said, well, I just want my story to get out there. How should I how should I do this? And that's when I said, listen, you know, I'll take care of that. And you write the story. And so we uh, he allowed me to at least give him an advance. <laughs> so, so, so he wouldn't take a oh. handout, but I could pay him. Right. Here's a contract. Here's some money for publishing the book. And, and the way we have it set up is we're using draft to digital distribution company based out of Oklahoma to get the ebook and the print book published everywhere. And, right. uh, and and there's a great royalty share where normally, just so people know the way it works for authors is on, on most of my traditionally published books, the author gets about, you know, eight or 10% <laughs> and the publisher, obviously in the bookstores and everyone gets uh, everything else. In right. this particular case, I'm keeping 10% of it and Peter's getting uh, 90% of the... Oh, wow. Yeah. So we were trying to use it as, as uh, two, two things. So it's truly horrific. I mean, the, in a nutshell, what it is, is what he realized and learned is that he has no mental health issues. He has no drug addictions or uh, alcohol addictions. Uh, right. He still has all his facilities, but they need to. It seems like the way that the charities are set up, they need to tick a box to say, oh, you're this. Therefore, we're going to treat you this way or help you this way. And it almost seems like the charities have been set up in such ways that they put people in these boxes as opposed to treating them like people and individuals. Right. And he also found in some cases he felt safer sleeping on the streets than he did in a shelter because of some of the people he was forced to uh, to share the space with it, it was dangerous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that was, um, yeah. And so anyways, that's, that's the story. And, and it's, that's it's so kind of, touching. that's so touching because it's just like, I know, um, I have talked to a homeless person before and they, um, they told me that they rather sleep on the street than to be into a shelter. And I, and I didn't understand why, because I was like, at first I was like, why because you're under you know you're warm and, roof, and you know if yeah. you're outside you're cold roof on your head over your head um when you're outside you're cold and trying to you know sleep on the i mean it is is and they was like because i'm safe and i'm like how is that safe but then i then i thought about it you're not surrounding your people around people that you don't even know yeah and you're by yourself and you can take care of yourself and you don't have to worry about no one taking from you when you're sleeping. Yeah. And I mean, there's an escape route too, right? Um, right. <laughs> so you, you, sometimes right. you're trapped. Uh, right. That's true too. Um, and yeah, that's, that's so touching. And you're so, you're so, you know, humble with that. And, and that's so, so good. You know, you'll, you know, that shows what type of heart you have. Well, yeah. Uh, thank out. you. I, I, I mean, 
it's just you know you would do this for a friend right and 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 that's the reality is that we and this is the story that peter even shares in the story is you know he he even talks about it and this is an amazing story uh an article that had appeared in the Huffington post where he talks about well uh, thank god this this didn't happen to me that i could never i that could never happen to me uh and and then when it happens to you because it can happen to any of us uh, right. realizing that there's actually a human behind those eyes that you avoid making eye contact with right because how how dare you uh you know how dare you infiltrate my me on my right. way to my important busy life um and you right. and peter does in in re- re- respectfully so he takes full responsibility for making bad decisions he's not blaming anyone um he made bad decisions and this happened to him but he's now trying to get out and and finding that the systems um the systems aren't as is helpful um for for everyone in in that situation and so what he wants he wants people to understand that there's an issue and that even though right. his great grandfather created these systems 150 years ago uh you know he's now fallen prey to the fact that that's eh, still not just, we still we still haven't fixed this issue right right well you know that's true so i want to know i know that you've been i was like you said something about you was writing since you was young yeah so I'm assuming that your parents was well was writers as well. No, I don't know. No, no. No. My dad was a custodian uh, at the at the high school uh, in our in our very small hometown and and my mom had worked at the at the local corner store when I was really young but then she left um uh that and was a uh, you know full-time house mom. And and, oh. and when I told the writer the one bit of advice they kept giving me is they said get a real job. that you can support yourself um which is why I went into book selling. Uh I went into book selling because I thought um this would be uh at least being close to books my whole life. <laughs> I would feel you know the essence of maybe the the writerness would rub off on me. Wow. And you've been writing since you was 13. And that yeah. and that's that's young. So instead of going out hanging with the guys, playing on your bikes and stuff like that, you was in the house writing. Yo, oh, yeah, I was uh I was vitamin D deficient. Uh, I needed more sunlight. <laughs> I was I sp- I remember I spent this one summer uh w- but we had a pool. We were we were very fortunate. We had like a an a above ground pool, so at least in the climate I lived during the summertime we could use it. And I remember my cousin and and my best friend were were over in there swimming and playing in the pool. And I'm inside in the basement on an old <laughs> typewriter because I'm of that age, and I was typing away madly at this manuscript that I wanted to finish over because I, you know, I wasn't at school. I had time to work on it. Um, right. And it was, it was. I was always passionate. Now that was a horrible, absolutely terrible. Uh, we, we call them trunk novels, the novel that will stay in the trunk and no one will ever see it. Because what it was is. Uh, I was playing Dungeons and Dragons and uh, right. that was very popular in the late 70s early 80s and uh I was writing uh you know based on the adventures we had and it was also partially inspired by the Arnold Schwarzenegger Conan the Barbarian oh, movie yeah. it was really yeah. horrible I guess fan fiction <laughs> and I thought it was an epic I think maybe if I'm lucky it was 25,000 words or, so it was like what maybe it'd been like a third the size of a of a regular book and but I learned a lot right I spent a lot of time yeah. at the keyboard hammering out those words with my little frail uh, you know <laughs> fingers so the kid who didn't get enough exercise right 
Right, right. <laughs> you was like, hey, I'm, I'm sitting here writing while they outside on the pool. I'm just going to sit here and write. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I know that you, your published company, you have a published company. And what made you want to have one? I know you help people, but what's another reason that you want to own your own company? So self-publishing uh, is so much easier now with digital, right? With, uh, with both digital for print-on-demand books, uh, print books, mm-hmm. as well as e-books. Like that's really significantly changed with the iPad and the Kindle and uh, Kobo or Nook or some of the other e-readers. And, and, and it removed all of these barriers. So in the early days, I had sold short stories to different markets. Now I write Twilight Zone style fiction. So, you know, science right. fiction, fantasy, horror, like this kind of spooky, creepy stuff. And I would sell stories to these small press magazines and I was kind of working my way up. And I worked in a bookstore and I was getting really frustrated because people would uh, say, so you're a writer? And I'd say, yeah, I'm a writer. And they said, well, where can I find your stuff? And I would go, well, okay, I sold a story. <laughs> to this if you get in your car and you drive, uh, I'm in Ontario, Canada, if you drive about six hours, you get to the, the New York state border, cross the border, and uh, my, my stories in a magazine you'll find on a book on a shelf there in a local shop, you know, circulation <laughs> 500. Oh, oh, but you have to get there before the end of the month because then it's going to be off the shelf. So I got really frustrated. <laughs> I had all these, I had all these stories, but you couldn't find them in bookstores. And so I used uh, print on demand technology in 2004 and said, I'm going to take all of these stories I'd had published before and I'm going to put them in a book myself. I had my best friend, Steve. Um, so Stark Publishing comes from uh, Steve and Mark. Uh, so okay. Steve, oh, okay. Yeah, Steve, uh, Steve and I are still best friends. Uh, we were dreaming when we were kids. We were going to have a company called Stark Entertainment. And we were going to make movies and do all kinds of stuff. What we did in, in college, we did have a DJ company where we, with cassettes, we would, we would do dances and, uh, and parties with uh, equipment we would rent because we didn't even own the speakers. <laughs> we just go and rent it whenever we got a gig. <laughs> and we would DJ and it was called Stark Entertainment. We had business cards made. And then when I <laughs> when I wanted to self-publish, I didn't want it to be Mark's books because that would look cheesy. Like I would self-publish and I wanted to pretend it was a real publisher. So right. uh, Steve's a graphic designer and he designed me the Stark Publishing logo. Um, oh, wow. And, and it cost me a case of beer. That's what I paid him. <laughs> but I see where, I, right? I see where it comes from, Steve St. And then, um, yeah, uh, Mark. Yeah, you got the first two. Yeah, yeah, first two letters. I got the because I got the tail end. I, I got three. I was like the back end of the horse in the costume, right? So I yeah, yeah, that makes sense though. But see, you did so. You got a graphic design. The only thing you have to do is you know buy buy some beer, and then you're good to go. Yeah, it was it was pretty much that. He designed the the book cover for me uh, for my very first book. Uh, you know, so that was great. And then, you know, from, from then on, I, I've used hired designers to, to do, to do a good job because I, I know my skill is writing, not, 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 not visual design. Right. Right. So I know you love writing and reading and, and all this good stuff, but what do writing really mean? To, like feels for you? Like, what does it mean to you? So we were born uh, we were born storytellers. Every single one of us tells a story, even if you're never plan on wanting to be a writer. At the end of the day, the dinner table, uh, kids get home from school, or you, you, you meet up with your friends, and you tell them stories about what you did. Oh, right. oh my God, this happened on the bus, or any of those things. So we're all born storytellers. 
Now, the beautiful thing for me about writing is it takes the magic, because all a storytelling is, is two human beings connecting with one another. And and this is where books are so magical to me, because I can connect with somebody, uh, Charles Dickens, uh, William Shakespeare, Stephen King, J.K. Rowling. Mm -hmm. I can connect Mm -hmm. with these people. I will never get the chance, either because they've passed on. Uh, or, or we just geographically, I'll never get close to them. But I can connect with this person through the written word. And what stories really ultimately do, what books ultimately do, is they connect two people. And you can read a book. And that book is made, that book is made magical by you, you reading it. Because when you read it, right. you experience all of the things that are pertinent and important to you. And I can read the same book and I can have a different experience. So not only can we both feel connected to an author, but you and I can then talk about it. And you and I can can understand, oh, wow, Carol, I didn't realize that when you read right. this, thing, this meant this to you. Yeah. Oh, it meant something different to me. And, and so the, the beauty of story is the way it really is the ultimate way that humans can connect with one another. That is true because everybody sees or read things differently and they imagine things differently so when you talk to a person you both see different views of the book or different things and different feelings of the book exactly uh i mean makes sense yeah and it's funny so i've I've edited anthologies so the obsessions anthology i was mentioning earlier is a theme right so the theme i i just asked the writers write me a story about obsessions about people who are obsessed with things like maybe uh, so one of them, a, a woman talked about a woman who collected Cupid dolls, uh, uh, and that was her obsession. And another one is, is is a guy in a war who's collecting the teeth of the of the dead soldiers that he's killed. Oh, uh, you know, part, no, yeah. No. I mean, so there's the macabre, and then there's these other obsession. And one of the other ones is an obsession with a, a man who lost his son, and all he wants is a science fiction story. All he wants is to play chess with his son again. So he's creating these like androids to try to replicate his son and bring him back. So, oh, wow. so like the obsessions can be touching and beautiful. They can be disturbing and freaky. I mean, me, I, 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 collect, <laughs> right. I collect skulls, not, not human, not real skulls, but you know, of things. I was like, what? Yeah, what? no, I mean, I just, I started when I first was uh, getting into telling like creepy, I, I call them Twilight Zone style stories or Black Mirror kind of just eerie tales. And Right. And I had a skull that I had with me, like a fake skull, a ceramic one on my desk. And, and I was there with my book signings because people, most of my stories were kind of scary and creepy. And it would let people know, oh, this guy, either avoid him because he's, he's crazy or <laughs> or I don't like, I like romance. I like night stories. And he probably tells scary, creepy stories. So it lets people know to avoid me or not. And then I just uh, actually in the office um, I'm talking to you from. I have oh probably about fourteen or fifteen skulls all over the bookshelves. Oh um, my god! And, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. Oh my god! Oh god! Mark, come on now, because I, I oh. But let's. I don't know. I, I could. I couldn't do that. I'm a stuffed animal type oh. of person. I collect stuffed animals. <laughs> I love stuffed animals. I love cuddly, oh, soft cute. things. Awesome. You know. Yeah. So I have so many. They people was like you need to throw these away and i'm like no i got bags and bags of stuffed animals okay yeah they're soft now here's the here's the beautiful thing about skulls they they seem creepy but they to me are a reminder that as humans we have more in common with one another 
beneath the skin. Right. Right. Yeah. You, you're a female. I'm a male. You're 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 an American. I assume I'm a Canadian. Um, you know, we have more in common because beneath everything, we're kind of made up of the same things. Uh, we all yeah, that's right? true. so the, the to me the skull is not only the memento mori you know remember you must die uh, from the latin but it's also a reminder of just how much we actually have in common with everyone uh, and we forget and we yeah. forget that so easily yeah we do we do so i know that um well, what am I gonna, you done got me with the skull I'm thing. Sorry, I'm just sitting here thinking about the skull thing. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's okay. So I know you have satisfied, cust- you know, customers, clients, authors. So what's the one of the best moments you had with a client? I think I think well, some of the best moments I've had with a client would probably be where I've maybe sat down with an author uh, and they asked me some questions. And, and I talked mm-hmm. to thousands of authors because I, I mean, I, pre-pandemic times, I would be traveling all over the U.S., Canada and Europe and talking to writers at conferences and giving them advice on, on writing and publishing. And I think some of the best experiences I've had where somebody may come up to me and say, I saw you at, you know, uh, RWA, Romance Writers of America, actually in Orlando two years ago. I stopped you in the hallway, I asked you some questions, and and you spent 15 minutes with me, you gave me some really excellent advice, and I want to um, thank you because I used that advice and it helped me get to where I am today. That's the kind of thing awesome. that if I can help an author uh, understand or navigate some of the questions they have, I feel so, so good because I've empowered somebody. Um, yeah, right. that's, a, that's always a really good feeling for me and and, and for, I'm fortunate that I've had the opportunity multiple times to have authors come up to me after having spoken to me and I and, and, and ironically I'm, I mean I may not even remember uh, speaking to them or what I what advice and, and I often I often joke and say well I hope I hope I told you something good <laughs> <laughs> you, you have such a beautiful soul Thank like you. I can feel it through the phone you know you love helping people and I can feel that and that and that's a good thing that's a positive for you. I'm like because very few people want to help someone else they want to help themselves first would you help yourself first but it's also good to help other people too yeah, yeah I mean you have to put, you know, put on your and, own uh, oxygen mask before you help the person beside you right right exactly exactly so what do you have coming up next Uh, i am working on a few different projects so i have a book called um, uh, fear and longing in los angeles it's uh, it's in one of my fiction series i have a it's a canadian werewolf in new york which is a bit of a humorous look at the side effects of a guy trying to live in uh, big apple a polite small town canadian trying to trying to live with the side effect of turning into a wolf uh, every full moon. Um, and so I have <laughs> right. been going to LA. Uh, and so that's Fear and Longing in Los Angeles. And that's coming up in February. And then and then for writers, I have a book called Wide for the Wind, which is um, uh, when, when authors are self-publishing, it's helping them understand uh, that there are more things in heaven and earth than Amazon Kindle, that there are uh, other platforms like Nook and uh, Kobo here in Canada and uh, Apple has a, a great uh, you know, global presence as well. Uh, and just helping writers understand okay. that they have a lot of choices and they don't have to be uh, painted into a corner. So those are, those are two of the, the early books for 2021. Oh, wow. Exciting. Yeah, it's keeping me, it's keeping me yeah, busy. We, we, <laughs> I have to get these to my, well, these books to my editor very soon. Right, right. Yeah. Sound like you're going to be very yeah. busy. So... I am at 
So how are you doing with the pandemic? How's everything going? I'm sorry, you broke up for a second. I didn't hear that. How's everything going with the pandemic or with this COVID thing going on? Are you being safe? Is everything you know okay? I'm very lucky because I, because I work from home already. I'm very fortunate. I'm very lucky that I've been able to keep doing what I do. Uh, ironically, mm-hmm. you know, my creative spirit at the beginning of the pandemic was struggling. I wasn't able to write a lot. But what I did is my partner, uh, Liz and I, we ended up doing parody videos. Uh, yeah, okay. and, and we, we, we got together and I wrote parody lyrics to the old Steelers Wheel song, Stuck uh, stuck in the Middle with You. And, I cha- and we oh, changed it to gosh. Stuck in this House Here with You. And we looked at... A, a couple that was just frustrated because they're just like in the same space and they're normally like, yeah, we're normally we're at work and we don't see each other until the end of the day. And so it was this really cute right. mini story of a couple. So I realized I was telling a story in this music video that was a parody so people could laugh and go, yeah, I get that. I understand. And we did a couple. I did a parody of Cheers, my favorite TV show of all time. Um, no, that's my favorite really? TV show of all time. So I'm sorry. Yes, out, I love Cheers. We have to Cheers. check out Mark's Tavern. It's on it's on uh, YouTube. And what it is is, I was uh, frustrated. I love I love going to bars. I love hanging out with bartenders and talking to them and, and trying new beer. And with the pandemic, you've locked down. You couldn't leave your house. So I have a bar in my right. house, like just a little mini uh, bar that you know was there. And so I had this joke where I'm the bartender and the patrons at Mark's Tavern because we only serve Marks here. Uh, and so it's just this cute little, and it was an excuse for me to tell stupid dad jokes, right? Um, and so, right. Uh, so I, I, yeah, the parodies, ironically, uh, trying to help other people laugh made me feel good and got me through the darker right. times when it was, it was kind of scary when I'm worried about people that I love and I'm worried about what's going to happen. Uh, and so I think for, for me, I don't know why I always defaulted to, uh, humor and parody for some reason. I've always loved Weird Al, for example. Right, right, right. Yeah, because, yeah, Cheers is one of my favorite because I, every time I walk into a bar where everybody's like, hey, Carol, you know, <laughs> well, they don't they do not do it. So I'd be like, hold on, let me talk to people. Maybe if I keep coming into this bar, people, when I walk in, they'll look at me, oh, Carol, hey, Isn't you know. an amazing feeling, though? Are they, really, like, yeah. yeah, that is amazing feeling when everybody knows you, like you and like you're sitting at the bar and then you walk in and everybody turn around and look at you and be like, hey, you know, and it makes you feel good, oh, you know, but feeling, yeah. no, right, exactly. So I know that a lot of people are losing their homes and, and losing their jobs and, you know, going through so, so, so many things. And I usually give them a positive message, but I want you I to give them one. The positive message is that, and, and I'm going to use an example from Peter, uh, my friend who found himself almost on the streets, is he said that it's often the, the, the people with the least that give the most. And and he found that um, the, the kindness uh, of other people is something we all often forget about when we look at the big picture. One-on-one human beings and i know and i know our world in in the u.s is very divisive uh, and and people are are looking at the other but the reality is when you put two people together and they actually see each other as human beings um, there's love and compassion there's far more love and compassion that people have for one another than is ever seen in social media properly or 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 portrayed um and i and i honestly believe that things are you know historically we've gone through 
really horrible things. Um, you look at the U.S. history alone, and you look at the pandemic of the Spanish influenza, and you look at the Great Depression and the World Wars, and it's in coming together and helping one another. So for me, it always begins with usually in your community, and, and I'll go back to I'll go back to um, Mr. Rogers. Uh, look for the helpers. There's in a tragedy. There's always the helpers, and those that's the those are the in, integral parts of humanity that that uh, I believe in, and I believe that in general people want to help and want to be kind to one another, and so always looking for those. Right. And it's hard when things are dark, but um, they usually they usually come yeah. uh, when, when you look for them. And that's true. I didn't think about it like that, but it's true. Yeah. So tell everybody your social media so they can follow you and they can, you know, sure. get some laughs too. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they can, if they need any, have any questions or anything, they want to become a writer or, and they want to know how to, you know, start or author don't know how to publish um, get them oh, all your sure. social media. Yeah. So I mean, all contact. of my social media, including my weekly podcast where I give tips on writing and publishing. You can find it marklesley.ca, M-A-R-K-L-E-S-L-I-E.ca, and you'll find me on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Stupid Dad Jokes, uh, on TikTok, all the all the all the places, <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> I have to get on TikTok and find that for real. I'm, as soon as I get off, as soon as I get off, I'm going to TikTok and I'm going yeah, to find, for Mark find you. Cheers hashtag and you'll probably find that little parody video. Not the full, not the full skit, but you'll probably find it there. I hope. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely gonna look more because I want to <laughs> laugh because I can't wait to see it. But I just want to tell you, thank you for being on my podcast, and I enjoyed your conversation. And I just love the way you are. You're so giving, and your heart—you have a very, very good heart, and. It seems to me that you think about other people before you think about yourself. And that shows what type of person you are. And that means awesome. <laughs> you saw that, you hear that, right? Oh, you hear that. the awesome yeah. part, right? Yeah. I got that there. That I got awesome. that there. Oh my God, Caramel, thank you <laughs> but, so much. It was so <laughs> lovely to chat with you. So much fun. Thank you. Right, and you I will it. talk to you soon, Mark. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs>